Welcome everybody to Catfish Weekly presented by Whisker Wear Apparel along with Chuck Davis and I'm Lyle Stokes and welcome to the show. How's it going down in Alabama tonight Chuck? It's going great. Um, I hope and work will give me enough time to get out and do a little bit of fishing. Uh, <laughs> got, got, got caught up on a little a few things this weekend and uh, the boat's about ready. Fixing to get me some new electronics I'm tickled about and that'll keep me on a wa the water for a while trying to learn those boogers so um, everything's looking good down this way. Well, you know, we've talked about it before. One of the things that, that when people ask me, how do you figure out electronics, I tell them the best way to do it is leave your fishing rods at home and your tackle at home and go out and learn that before you try to use it to fish because the first thing that happens is you find fish, you stop, and then you've learned nothing on how to run, run your new stuff. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, learning how to use the electronics and bait fishing are both the same way. I usually only catch enough bait to last me that trip, and I end up coming home with nothing because after I get enough to fish with, I go try them out real quick and never end up finished getting me bait. <laughs> I know how that is. Well, tonight we are fortunate enough to have Keith Sutton, an outdoor writer that is very well known throughout the, the U.S., and I want to welcome you to the show tonight, Keith, and thanks so much for joining us. Oh, it's really my pleasure, Chuck. I, I mean, Lyle, excuse me. That's I'm all looking right. forward to it. I'll get the names right here in a minute. <laughs> it's not a problem. You know, it's, um, uh, we had Ron Presley on here some time back, and, and we really enjoyed visiting with Ron, and and uh, Chuck and I talked about it, and we knew that, that we had to, if you would be interested, we had to get you on the show. You just, your books and articles and stuff that we read are just so great, and, and the quality of information that you share with people, and that is the whole point behind Catfish Weekly is sharing information with people and, and helping them to catch more fish. Well, that's, that's real kind of you to say. <laughs> I enjoy so much uh, writing, and particularly about catfishing. Uh, I've been a catfisherman since I was a toddler, and when I started writing about catfishing, there weren't many people doing it. Uh, it was kind of hard starting out getting magazines to publish catfish stories, but we've seen a big, big change in the last couple of decades. and. People wanting more information and wanting to learn more, and uh, it's been a real pleasure being a part of all that. Well, you know, I know that that you have a world of knowledge, and and I can tell not only by the articles that are in magazines and different things, but the books that you do are very very well written, and and the information is correct, and and uh, that if people are looking for uh, information or knowledge, that's a great starting point for somebody that's getting into the sport uh, or, or someone that hasn't been to the level of a lot of tournament guys. Say they just want to go out and, and sit on the bank or go get in a boat and, and catch eating sized fish or take their family out or whatever. That's a great place to start learning that stuff. Well, I've tried to uh, do two kinds of books. <laughs> Uh, my early books were more basics for people who wanted to learn catfishing but hadn't had a chance to go very much. So some of them are very basic and then the more recent books are more advanced and uh, they're geared for people who already know what one catfish is from the other and how to tie a rig. And so they're a little more advanced and all the books though are a compilation of knowledge that comes from other people. I've I've been very fortunate ever since I was a kid to fish with really good catfish people. And Chuck and I were talking a little bit earlier about how every time you go out with somebody different, you learn something new. Everybody's got a different trick. And so in my books I've tried to share not just my knowledge, but mostly the knowledge I've gained from other anglers. Well, that's awesome. We just had a, a gentleman in our live chat room that uh, Scott Woody, he's a very loyal guy, watches the show all the time, and, and uh, he said that, uh, Keith Sutton, you are my catfishing hero. That's oh, quite a... Wow. That, that, yeah, that's... <laughs> That's that's quite a deal there, you know. So uh, yeah, thank you, Scott, for for posting that. That's well, yeah. Pretty, thank pretty you for saying that. 
<laughs> I don't know if I can really live up to that, but I hope so. And uh, well, I think that you, you you're probably uh, being very modest because I know a lot of guys. You know, we go to these tournaments, and uh, we a lot of us will get together uh, sitting around outside at night in front of motel rooms or the cabins down at Wheeler or something, and we talk and carry on and have a good time. And a lot of times, the articles that you guys write, not just you, but uh, you and specifically, uh, come up about you know, did you read this article? this guy wrote or did you do this or did you do that and and uh, the the first time somebody says no I didn't the next thing you know three or four guys are explaining to them you know why they need to make sure that they read that article because <laughs> there's so much knowledge in it and and that in itself makes it great um, Chuck have you got your questions ready for Keith tonight um, yeah is that all you got for him for right now not for now yeah okay uh, Keith um, after seeing all of your articles and, and all the people you've went off and fished with, um, I know you've got a very memorable trip that stands out in your mind that you will never forget. Can you share that trip with us and, uh, and why it's your favorite trip? Wow. Then now, that's tough. I've had so many really awesome catfish trips. I've been able to fish about 35 different states and I fished in Canada and Brazil, Mexico, but I guess really one of my very most memorable would be a trip on the Red River in Canada catching big channel cats. Uh, anybody who had never been there or doesn't know about it, it is absolutely without a doubt one of the most phenomenal fisheries, not just for catfish, but of any kind, anywhere in the world, I think. And uh, I went up several years ago and fished there when I was writing one of my books. I had a team of photographers with me, and we were fortunate enough during the week we were there to catch the biggest channel cat I caught was 38 pounds. The smallest one I caught was 19 pounds. And up till then, I'd never caught one over 15, and I'd caught thousands. And uh, during that trip, uh, I imagine I caught at least 100 fish between 19 and 38 pounds, all big channel cats. It, it was absolutely extraordinary. It was a place I'd read about and always wanted to go. And uh, so as far as catfishing goes, it'd be hard to beat that one. I've had some great trips on the Amazon and down in Brazil on some other rivers too for other species, uh, but and those were exciting in their own way. But that trip to the Red River will never, never leave me. It was one of the best ever. Oh yeah, we got a um, a guide that's a good friend of ours, um, Brad Durick. He's in chat right now. Have you ever heard of Brad? Oh yeah, Durek? I know Mr. Brad. Hi, oh, Brad. Oh yeah, he's uh. You know, he's on there saying, I told you guys, we got it good up here on the red. Um, he does. He does. I want to fish with Brad someday because I see the kind of big channel cats he's putting in the boat on the U.S. side of the river. <laughs> I fished up close to Winnipeg, but I haven't been fortunate enough to fish Brad's stretch of river. But that's on my bucket list, Brad. Well, he's got it going on up there. I've been up there and... Uh, that's an amazing place to fish, and Brad is an outstanding guide. So you'd be you'd do yourself a favor to jump in and go with him. Uh, yeah, I hope have, that'll happen. We have another uh, a chat. Uh, Tim Lang. He goes by Doc Lang. Uh, he says I have his book that he wrote back 16 years ago, the complete guide for catching big channels, blues, and flatheads. Still enjoy this book to this day. Awesome writer. Thanks for your knowledge, Keith. And uh, Doc, he's one of the uh, greatest cat fishermen that I know, and he's full of knowledge himself. Absolutely. I have uh, heard Doc's name mentioned in a lot of catfishing circles. I haven't been fortunate enough to meet Doc yet, but appreciate the comments. And that book uh, he's talking about, that was my first catfish book. It sold more than 40,000 copies. It was one of the awesome. best-selling outdoor books ever. It was top on the Amazon list for a long time for outdoor books, and I still love that book. It was very professionally done. That was uh, a lot of those pictures were shot on that Red River trip. Many of them were shot that are in that book. Great. Um, so, uh, 
you've got a trip coming up with uh, Mike Mitchell on Wheeler Lake next week, you know, and that's somewhat my neck of the woods, even though it's three hours north, and um, I don't get to fish it that much. Uh, most people call it my home waters, even though the guys from Kentucky can get there before I can. <laughs> um, uh, so you've had a few trips with him already down here on the Tennessee River. Um, what, maybe Gunnersville? Did you fish with him on Gunnersville? No, we actually fished on uh, Wheeler and Wilson, the times I've fished with him. We hadn't had a chance to get on Gunnersville together. Okay. Um, are you really excited about getting down here on the Tennessee River and catch some big blues? Yes, I'm, I am really flat-out excited, more excited than I've been in a long time about a catfish trip. Uh, the other times I fished with Mike were in the summer, and uh, I've always wanted to come down there in the wintertime, but work has always prevented it. But it's a short trip. we we got parts of three days to fish, but uh, I know what the potential is there. I know that there's not a better guy to be in the boat with to put you on a good fish. Um, last time I fished with Mike, I caught a 50-pound blue, and uh, that was on a day it was 105 degrees, and the fish were still in the spawning holes. But uh, I'm real excited about it. Mike's a super guy. I got to know him several years back. Uh, I want to learn more from him. He uh, he is a very, very knowledgeable angler and sitting on one of the best honey holes in the world. So I'm real excited about that opportunity. Yeah, if anybody can get you on a big blue, it's going to be Mike. Um, you know, I've known him, you know, to go out very seldom and not actually get a trophy cat in the boat. And it's been terrible conditions when that's happened. Uh, yeah, but, you know, a couple of my trips were just horrible conditions. I wouldn't have thought we could have put a big fish in the boat. Uh, my wife's been with me both times. She was able to catch her personal best on both trips. And uh, he's just a great guy. He's fun to be with. Uh, Mike is uh, one of my favorites of all the guides I've fished with around the country. And I am super, super excited about getting down there again. Yeah, he, um, you know, he had that uh, that green G3 V hull that he wore slap completely <laughs> out. I bet he had a hundred thousand hours on the water on the boat and probably ran that many miles up and down Tennessee River in it. The G3 V hull he's got right now, it's a 20 footer. Um, it's got to be a hundred inches wide. Uh, I mean, it's a beautiful boat, and uh, you're going to really love that boat. It's it's huge. Well, I love winter catfishing, too. I, I like to fish in the winter for everything. I fish for a lot of stuff, and wintertime's my favorite. It seems like I'm always more successful catching bigger fish in the winter. And so having this opportunity to fish uh, Wheeler, I'm pretty sure we're going to be on Wheeler, uh, is really exciting for me because I've seen some of those 100-pound-plus blue cats Mike's clients have put in the boat, and uh, I know that's always a possibility. And you never know. You know, someday somebody's going to catch a new world record. I really believe that. Might come out of there, and it might, who knows? Might, might be on the end of my line. <laughs> I'm going to at least go down there and try. Because yeah. all of us, you know, we all, that that's the holy grail. If you can catch a 100-pound catfish, man, that would be one awesome thing to do. But I know even if I don't catch a 100-pounder, I'm going to have a great trip. We'll catch good fish, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing Wheeler again. I love Wheeler. I've got a lot of friends in the tourism business down in Colbert County and that area. And uh, they're always very kind and helpful when I'm down there. So I am excited. My oldest son is going with me. We don't have as much chance to fish together as we used to. So it'll be a fun weekend. Great. Uh, Brad Durick said, uh, whenever you're ready, he's got a seat for you. <laughs> so uh, all you got to do is get in touch with him. And he don't, you know, he's very limited up there on what months he can fish. He probably only fishes, you know, six, seven months a year, I believe, because of the ice. But 
And uh, Jason Mathia, he wants to know if you've ever fished the James River or, you know, the, the East Coast over the James River maybe, um, you know, or the Potomac. Yeah, I did, but it was back before there were many blue cats there. Uh, I have not fished in in recent years. Another place top of my bucket list I'd like to go, but uh, I fished there years ago uh, when I was in college and caught some nice fish, but back in those days, the James wasn't known for the monsters that are coming out of there now. Uh, so... That's somewhere I'd like to go to someday and try again because I know the reputation it has and I see, like y'all do, you know, I see on the internet and elsewhere pictures of some of the big fish and I have friends out there and know some guides. Just hadn't made it yet, but I will someday. Okay. We've covered the uh, the big channel cats and we've covered the, uh, the monster blues. Now let's talk about the granddaddy of them all, the flathead. Uh, <laughs> What's your most memorable uh, flathead trip you've taken and, you know, the, the biggest ones you've caught? Well, the most memorable trip I ever had was three days I spent on the Mississippi River with an old river rat who had a cabin uh, between Arkansas and Mississippi on that portion of the river, not far down below the confluence of the Mississippi with the Arkansas and the White. It's a really extraordinary big cat area for all three species that we usually catch. And I spent those three days with him. I don't think ever in my life I'd caught more than 10 flatheads in one day of any size. And this old timer and I fished really hard for three days. And one day we put 125 nice flatheads, 15 pounds to 60 pounds in the boat and I've never had another day like that for flatheads. I tend to find flatheads seem to be kind of lonesome. You know, they loners, I should say. And uh, you find one, and then you got to go somewhere else to find the next one. But on this trip, the river was high. Uh, the flatheads were on a feeding frenzy, and it didn't seem to matter where you put a bait, you were going to catch one. So that would be my most memorable flathead trip ever. I, I've never had another one I caught. <laughs> So many flatheads, in fact, three or four times as many as I caught channels and blues on that trip. It, we just hit it just right, and this old-timer, he had some cool tricks that uh, he taught me about some of the baits he used and how he used his rigs. Mississippi's tough to fish, especially on high water, but he'd done it for decades, and uh, uh, we had a, had a great trip then. So you learn uh, when you're off with the old timers that's been fishing for years and years and years. Uh, that's never competitive catfishing or anything. Then when you go out with the guys that are just getting into it now or have been into it for the past, you know, 15 years, uh, the two different learning curves that you know is a lot different. You agree? From the oh yeah, absolutely. Time? There's a big, big difference. I grew up fishing with what I call the old-timers. I grew up uh, going catfishing with my uncles. I had a lot of uncles who liked to hunt and fish. They were my great-uncles, so they were older, much older. And they had done things for decades before I was even born. Some of the things that I learned from them nobody would even believe nowadays. They wouldn't have heard of a lot of the things we did probably, but they're still effective. Right. And I've tried to include a lot of that in my writing. But the new guys, now, I really like going out with some of these new, well, they may not be new. They may have been fishing a decade or more, maybe 20 years, some of them. But some of the guys now are so innovative in the things they're trying. And I love to go out with a guy who's not afraid to try something totally new. He may not know if it's going to work, but a lot of these guys figure out things that work that we never thought about. Most of the old-timers, they all did similar things. But a lot of these young guys out there nowadays are trying really innovative techniques that they've developed on their own just by trial and error. 
And I love going out with these guys and seeing what they're doing because I probably learn more from them, particularly at this point in my life. I'll be 60 years old next week. And, and at this point in my life, these young guys can really teach me more than most of the old guys, I think, because they're trying new stuff that I've never thought about. Correct. You know, the all the, uh, you know, controlled drift back bouncing, you know, just a couple of rods out in the boat and you're you're able to bounce baits down river while you're controlling your boat and actually able to feel the, you know, the big hits while you've got your rod in your hand instead of uh, right. your rod going down and you cranking down on it. Um, have you actually been able to get out and do some controlled bouncing, back bouncing and stuff like that? Yeah, I've, I've been fortunate enough to try that with several guys who are very good at it. Uh, one of my close catfishing buddies is James Patterson, who fishes the Mississippi River there at Memphis. And uh, I've done a lot of bouncing with James on that river. And I fish with a lot of guys on some of the bigger reservoirs, too, who are doing that. It's I've found it to be one of the most effective ways of fishing ever. I love doing it. I'm, I've always liked trolling, I'd call it trolling from the old days, but moving, being on the move and not just sitting in one spot. I love doing that technique. Yeah, I was looking through your photos earlier in the week on your uh, your, your website, um, and you've got a picture of you and the... Uh, the catfish king, Phil King, holding a stringer of uh, <laughs> catfish. Um, what do you think about fishing with that joker? What's he like out there? That's one. Of, that's my mentor, and that's one guy that I would want to fish with if anybody. Um, how'd it go? Phil, Phil's a great guy, great angler too, and he uses some of the most innovative techniques of any guy I've ever been on the water with. And Phil and I met. I guess it was back in 2000, a bunch of us got together and we had a deal called Catfish College up uh, close to St. Louis where we brought a lot of the top catfish anglers together to teach other people what we do. And we had a three-day seminar-based weekend where people came and uh, heard from some of the best catfish anglers ever lived and that's where I met Phil and I liked him immediately and uh, uh, Phil was trying to get started guiding full-time back then and I was writing so it was a perfect matchup I went over in fact my oldest son went with me to fish with Phil too and we didn't catch big fish the day I was with Phil but my god we caught tons of fish <laughs> we had a great trip. I've only had the opportunity to fish with him once, but I, I've only competed once in a tournament, and I competed with him on the Mississippi River uh, in the first Big Cat Quest tournament over there. And on that one, Phil brought in, a, if I remember right, his was 103 pounds, and when he weighed that in, of course, nobody thought that would get beat. Uh, and a young man caught a 108-pounder <laughs> later that day. Uh but Phil, that that shows you uh, the kind of stuff he's capable of, and I've written a lot about Phil in my books because he's very eager to share what he knows and share it with others. He's not stingy with what he knows, and he's really doing a lot of cool stuff, catching flatheads on crankbaits and um, fishing uh, catfish sandwiches and. There's all kind of neat stuff Phil's taught me that I've loved to be able to share with other people, and he's been very generous that way. Yeah, it just seems like, you know, he's at the point of his life now where I think he really wants to get out and, and fish in every competitive tournament that comes around, but, uh, you know, it's so hard for him to get days off. You know, last time I talked to him, he was he was having to take uh, some of his vacation that cause Cabela's wanted him to go to a classic and then uh, he had another week that he had to take because he's got a, a, some, a few individuals that he takes out every year guiding and he felt obligated to take vacation to take them guys out um, so he's just not able to get out and compete like he wants and um, 
you know, it's making way for all these new guys to get out there and, uh, yeah. you know, get on top of the leaderboards really good. And, you know, he still gets out there and competes, um, not as much as he used to, but uh, I, ha I have not yet been able to fish a tournament with him, and that's one of my goals. So I'm trying to find out this year what tournaments he's going to be in. I don't know how much longer he's going to fish tournaments, but yeah, I want to I want to make sure I, I get to fish some with him while I can. Um just to show some respect that, you know, he, he helped get me where I'm at in, in the hobby and the love for the sport was all from him. He uh, He's really taught me as much as any other catfish angler probably. And uh, like I said, he's been so generous in sharing the things he knows. Uh, secrets really, you know, what I would call secrets because he was doing a lot of stuff that worked that other people weren't doing. And... Uh, He's a great guy to fish with. It's a shame for all of us. Work gets in the way of fishing too much, huh? Yeah, it sure does. Uh, you know, it's some, that's why I call this the working man sport. Um, you know, you don't have guys sleeping in their vans to get started and, and you know, trying to get sponsors to pay their entry fees like in the FLWs and the, you know, the Bassmasters and all this. A lot of them guys, that's all they do. Um, you know, we're having to uh, work to do what we love and work hard to do what we love so we can pay our entry fees, buy our gear. Uh, the sponsors we have, we get 20, 25% off of stuff. You know, we don't get uh, you know, hotels, gas paid, entry fees. Right. Um, you know, there may be some people out there that get a little bit of kick towards stuff, but I mean, it's got to be very few. And I've I've probably hadn't heard of hardly any that do. Um, but yeah, there's very few, if any, that I know who could make a living as a pro catfish angler. I, I don't know anybody doing that. It's tough enough being a, a guide even when you're on good waters. Uh, it's better than it used to be, though. Uh, there was a time you couldn't have done either and done very well unless you're in a certain place. But catfishing's come a long ways. I think it'll go a long ways further. When I first started thinking about writing my first book, everybody was laughing at me. Uh, who's going to buy a catfish book? I had uh, three big publishers turned down my first book manuscript. And the fourth guy that bought it, he's the one that sold 40,000 copies. He was pretty happy, I can tell you. <laughs> and the ones that turned it down said, oh, catfish guys won't spend money on a book. They didn't, Do they even read? Boy, you talk about insulting me. <laughs> uh, and I said, you know what? I'm just going to prove you wrong, and I'll... Someday come knocking on your door and you're going to wish you'd done this. You're, you're wrong. You don't understand. I said a, a catfish angler will pay 25 bucks for a nice book. He wants a nice book to lay in front of him, not a piece of junk. And uh, the publisher who did that first book uh, that was talked about earlier, Fishing for Catfish, did a hardback, full color, sent a crew of three photographers out with me to do photography and they did great work and it sold 40,000 copies. I don't know how many it's sold in the last 10 years. I still sell them quite a bit and uh, so it just goes to show you that we all want good stuff. We want places we can go and get good information. Back when I did that book we didn't have the internet like we do now. It was nothing like it is now. Of course, now we can get online and do what we're doing now, sit here and talk about the sport. People can listen to us while we're talking about it. There's so many ways to learn these days that we haven't had before. And I think all that's good for the sport. Uh, I've seen catfishing grow from being just a redheaded stepchild to being something people pay attention to now. And I'm not a competitive angler, but... The tournament fishing has brought a lot of that to the sport. Uh, tournament fishing is more visible maybe than what old-timers like me do sitting on a bank on a river somewhere where there isn't anybody. That's how I like to fish. 
But tournament fishing adds another facet to all that that makes the sport visible. More people see it. More people, I think, want to get involved. A lot of people do like competitive sports. And so tournaments are, are good for the sport in that way. So I've always encouraged people, uh, you know, you you got to figure out what it is you like about this. And if competing is what you like, great. If sitting on a place by yourself out in the middle of nowhere is what you like, that's great. That's what I like about catfishing. We're such a varied group of people. But we all like one thing, and that's sit on the water, spend some time outdoors, and hook a fish now and then. And hooking a fish even is gravy for most of us. You know, we want to, but if we don't, we're going to enjoy our time out just as much. Yeah, um, you know, going out and, you know, learning the different types and actually putting it on paper for, you know, and sharing it with others. I mean, that's excellent. You know, like, you know, next week you're going out and you're going to fish with Mike Mitchell, one of my uh, greatest competitors. When I get out on the water, the mindset that I have if he's in a tournament, nobody out there else matters. I concentrate on what can I do to beat Mike Mitchell today? What's he going to be doing? Because if I focus that way, I do a lot better than sure. thinking about the whole field being out. And it has helped me so much competing against Mike. So all, all I need you to do now is after you go out with him, write a good article <laughs> on all of his tactics, especially the free line and skipjack. <laughs> I hope he's not watching right now. <laughs> write <laughs> a good article on the free line and skipjack uh, and, and stuff like that so I can read it so I'll know what he's doing so I can get out there <laughs> I, uh, I hope he does share some new stuff with me I know he's doing some new things since I last I guess it's been maybe three or four years ago since I last fished with him and uh, I keep in touch with Mike though like I do with a lot of people I see what he's doing and ask him what he's doing and I know he's doing a lot of new stuff since I've been in the boat with him so I'll be excited to to see what he's doing see what he's willing to share we'll see if he's Phil King and willing to share some of those secrets and I'm sure he will be he's a good kid and I like I like fishing with Mike yeah Michael share anything he knows and um, you know he's probably one of the best fishers that I know on the Tennessee River him and Jason yeah. Bridges are both awesome and you know every they never disappoint and uh you know if, if they get out there and it's a bad day you're still going to have a good time with either one of them guys yeah uh, i agree i and, totally agree and then just being in the boat with them not catching any fish and just being able to pick their brain right uh, for what amount of time you're paying them um you know that's that's worth a million dollars right there just being able yeah. to sit there and pick their brain. Why are you doing this? I, I mean, I'd drive them crazy. They'd be right me in the lake. <laughs> well, I'm the same way. I, I'm always wanting to learn something new, and uh, I could almost go on those kind of trips without ever fishing, just, just to sit and talk and hear what folks are doing and get them to show me how they're doing this rig or how they're doing this bait. Uh, I'd love learning more about catfishing and you know, people ask me, I've written five books on catfishing. Are you going to write another one? Well, yeah, probably someday after <laughs> I've fished with some more guys and learned some new stuff. And that's the cool thing about catfishing. It doesn't matter how many times you go, or at least it, this is the way it's been with me. Every trip I go almost, I learn something new if I'm with somebody else and not just by myself. And... Uh, Mike's one of those guys. I can't wait to get up to North Dakota to fish with Brad Durick. I know he's doing some really cool stuff, and Brad and I haven't met face to face, but we've been corresponding a lot on the, on email and and Facebook. And uh, I'd let, he's a guy I really want to get in the boat with to see what kind of tactics he uses on those big channel cats up there. Uh, there's there's a dozen more guys just like those around the country mm -hmm. uh, that I'd like to fish with. Some even here in my home state, the the Massengale brothers. Uh, 
I haven't had the opportunity to fish with them, although they've uh, offered to take me. I'd like to see what they do out on the Mississippi River. Uh, there's lots of great cat folks out there now that are up-and-comers, I call them. They've been around a while now, but I've been kind of out of the loop. I started a new job four years ago working as a photographer for Arkansas Farm Bureau. And that's gotten in the way of a lot of my fishing. The 10 years before that, I stayed at home and, and did freelance work and worked from my home, and I could take off when I wanted. So I kind of got out of the loop during those four years I've been working with Farm Bureau, and uh, there's a lot of guys that have come up since then who I know are doing great stuff, and I hope at some point, someday, I'll find a weekend or weekday when I can get on the water with them, too. Yeah, um... You know, you was talking about the Massingales, and we were talking about work getting in the way. I believe that's another team that, um, you know, it's hard to get for them to get their schedules right. Yeah. Um, I, I think their their jobs are trying to get in the way right now. And, you know, after you get in it and you start competing, it, it's so addictive. And I know by them looking through these social sites and seeing these guys out there, um, you know, up on that stage, you know, competing, um, you know, it just kills them not being able to get out. But you know, yeah. fam family comes first. You got to do that. Yeah, sure. And the, well, you know, that's why this is the working man sport because that's right. Uh, next next year, their their schedules may be totally agree with them, and you know, they they may may be able to make five or six good tournaments. Right. Um. You know, but that's how it goes. It's just, you know, you got to do what your work uh, wants you to do, and take care of that family and then do the big number three uh, catfishing. Yeah, um, exactly. Well, and that's one of the things I like about catfishing, too. I like the, the kind of folks that put family first, and uh, that's what catfishing folks are like. I mean, we're kind of down-to-earth people that, you know, uh, God, apple pie, and the American flag kind of guys, and uh, family first always. And... Back when uh, I really started doing books and stuff and writing a lot of magazine articles, I met a lot of guys who were big names in the business, and they come and go, you know. Things happen, people got other priorities, and uh, I think nowadays it still happens, but that's because of the kind of people catfish folks are. It's not that they're not fishing, but they may not be able to go to all the tournaments they want to go to or big events like that. Uh, but that's part of what makes catfishing special to me is those people who are involved in the sport to me are the salt of the earth people. And uh, that's one reason I love doing what I'm doing, being able to write about the sport and share things that I learn because people show their appreciation for that. And it's just really great folks to be involved with. Have you ever thought about uh, writing a book on competitive catfishing? I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm just, I don't have a competitive bone in my body. <laughs> I just, uh, it's not that I have anything at all against tournaments, and I've been to several of them and covered them. Uh, had a gentleman get in touch with me today, want me to do some work with him on a big tournament series. Uh, I'm not sure what all he's wanting me to do, but I, I'll just be honest with you. It doesn't thrill me like it does some people. I uh, always went catfishing to get away from things, and uh, I'm still that kind of folk. The places I fish, I don't see anybody else usually. Uh, I fish oxbow lakes and backwaters and rivers where there ain't many people out there, and there's no tournaments going on, and, and that's just how I get my kicks is... Uh, being in those places. I'm, I'm just not as interested in competition as a lot of people are. Yeah, I, getting out and fun fishing is really, you know, my thing. And, you know, I've wanted to get out and try this competitive thing, but then I have to save up money to do it, and I can't go fun fish because i got to save money to, to compete. Yeah, and, sure. And it really gets in the way of going out and, and getting back to my roots. But I better get to some of these questions that Jason Mathias got on here. He's got a pretty good bit, and I think we can knock them out pretty quick. Okay. Uh, a couple. Are transition zones different for blues on lakes than on rivers like the Mississippi? And here's one that goes right with it. Does Keith 
go about patterning blues differently on lakes than rivers? Yeah, I think there's a big, big difference between the two. Uh, I'm mostly a big river fisherman. Uh, we have some real good reservoirs here that I fish quite a bit too, and and I fish with the people at places like Wheeler. Uh, most of my fishing has been on the Mississippi River. That's where my that's what I'd call my home water. Grew up fishing there and still like to fish there better than anywhere else. Uh, river fish, blue cats started out being river fish before there were lakes. They were migratory. They there were massive migrations of fish from the south to the north. If you read the historical record, and those fish still. Uh, operate in that way even though the dams keep them from actually migrating very far. So I think that as much as anything makes river fishing different. I don't see that cats in big reservoirs have those migratory tendencies. And the migratory tendencies relate to the seasons, summer and winter in particular. And blue cats in rivers, they're moving around a lot through the year doing different things. Blue cats in the lakes, I think they're more sedentary. They have their own sort of home range and their their home bodies more than they are in the rivers. Where in the river, they there's a lot of documented studies where they move hundreds of miles if they can. In a lake, they can't do that. So I think there's a big difference for those reasons. Without getting too far away here, I know you got other questions too. Okay. Um they want to know how big that uh, big old blue grill is back there on your wall. Oh, that one, uh, three pounds in something. I can't remember the ounces. Giant. Uh, Where was that yeah, at? That, now that's another uh, favorite of mine is uh, panfish. Uh, that one's caught here in Arkansas. Okay, and, that's uh, like a good flathead. <laughs> I'm, yeah, it would. It would absolutely would. If you catch a flathead and eat that one, I'd, that'd be a bad gum good flathead there. Oh, yeah. I'm Right now, I've been uh, writing a story about the hot spots in the U.S. for big shell crackers. And uh, I've got to make a trip to Lake Havasu in Arizona because they're catching five pounders out there. Twice as big wow. as this fish almost. Wow. So. Yeah, they've got big flatheads out there too. Uh, really? I see. I didn't know that. Yeah, we've got some friends that go out. I can't remember what lakes they are, but uh, they are some very nice flatheads coming out of some of those Arizona lakes. Yeah. Out that way, yes. Another good um, reason to go catch a big flathead those, and a big shellcracker too. Some of those real pretty bright yellow flatheads. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think it all depends on their camo and what sediments they're around and stuff. But some of these flatheads are just so beautiful, you know, yellow looking. But I love those mustard nice yellow ones. flatheads. They're they're cool. Okay, um, I think we're about caught up on the um, all the questions, unless I miss one. So I'm sure Lyle's sitting there antsy, ready to ask you some stuff because I've talked about three quarters of. <laughs> well, Keith, you, uh, you know we you was talking to you was talking with Chuck about fishing with uh, uh, Mike Mitchell. Have, have you met Mike's son, Jackson? No, I haven't, but I've seen him in some pictures. Well, me. I hope when you get down there, you get a chance to to visit with Jackson. Jackson is such an outstanding young man, and he is a heck of a cat fisherman. That's uh, so I hear from Mike. Uh, Mike has sent me some really cool pictures of him with his son fishing. Uh, we can relate in that regard. I have six sons. They're all grown now. Uh, all enjoy cat fishing too, and uh, so. I kind of got a soft spot for kids, and uh, Jackson is one I've heard a lot about. I don't know if he'll be able to go with us this weekend, but I hope he is. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm eager to meet him. He's a great young man. I was fortunate enough to visit with him a little bit last year, and and uh, I, I can't wait till the next time. He's just a really good guy, and and uh, he has a very bright future in the sport, and and right. uh, all, all excited for him. 
yeah, how did you get your start in catfishing? Did it was it <laughs> your dad or your grandfather or someone like that? Well, I didn't have a dad in the home my, or a grandfather. I lived with my mom and my grandmother growing up, uh, and it goes back to those uncles I told you about earlier. One of my uncles, my uncle Pat, built a big fishing pond. It was probably five acres. It was a nice pond. And he did it with one thought in mind. This is going to be a kids-only fishing hot spot. He built it for the kids in the family and the kids in the neighborhood. And he stocked it full of catfish from a pound to 30 pounds. And only kids could fish there. You couldn't fish there when you got older than 16. And uh, I spent every day of my youthful life fishing on Uncle Pat's pond. <laughs> and uh, caught some of my biggest catfish there that were my biggest for years and years. And uh, having that right there close to home made me just fall in love with catfish. And you can catch other fish there too, but not not of the size of the catfish. <laughs> he'd go to the river and catch big fish and bring them back and put them in there. And then he'd sit on the bank and watch us fishing. And uh, I fished a lot with Uncle Pat on the rivers and on the oxbows. And uh, he's the one that's really responsible for my love. My grandmother loved catfish too, though. And uh, I grew up uh, in a part of Arkansas where there was a farm pond every half a mile. So within bicycle ride of my house, there were a hundred different ponds I could fish. And back in those days, everybody let you fish. And um, so I'd go from pond to pond to pond with Grandma a lot of times. And she'd sit on a bucket on the bank with her cane pole under her sunbonnet and uh, she she was the one that used to sit when I was a kid and bait my hook and take the fish off and teach me how to do things. And uh, so from those older relatives like my grandmother and my Uncle Pat, that's where I grew to love catfishing. Man, that's a great story. Uh, that's, that, <laughs> if that's not in one of your books, it should be. That is a great <laughs> well, I story. Think, I think it's in the introduction of one of them. And then later on when I became a writer... I decided I needed a niche. I love to do everything. I love to hunt. I love to fish for everything that swims. I really do. I have some things I like better. Nothing I like better than catfish. But I decided when I started writing, if I was ever going to be successful, I needed my own niche that there wasn't a hundred other guys writing stuff about. And nobody was writing catfish stuff. And I love to catfish. And it was really difficult getting started when I decided that would be my niche. Nobody wanted to publish a story about catfishing. But I stayed at it. I actually uh, put a catfish on my business stationery. Uh, my friends started calling me catfish. And it stuck. And all of a sudden, when people did want a catfish story, I was their go-to guy. And so... That became a part of my persona because I loved it so much. I was able to be in it from the start when nobody else was writing about it. Very few people. There were a few, and I had some heroes that did. Uh, Byron Dalrymple was uh, a great writer. Russell Tinsley down in Texas. There were a few guys that did it well, but not many. And uh, I've just been fortunate. I got started in it at the right time. I decided that was what I wanted to, to be known for. That was my specialty, and it's worked really good. It has, and we we can't. We all appreciate everything you do. Robert Tallman would like to know what's your favorite <laughs> kind of catfishing, uh, drifting, anchored in a boat on the bank. <laughs> I know Robert very well. He's another <laughs> one of my internet correspondents. He's here in Arkansas. And uh, Robert, it, my favorite kind of fishing sitting on the bank of a river somewhere under a shade tree with a cooler full of cold drinks and uh, a line uh, on my pole and the pole in the rod holder or maybe just propped up with a forked stick. Uh, I do like to get out in boats a lot, too. I, I remember when I was a kid, we'd run trot lines at night a lot of times with my uncles. And 
I never slept better, I don't think, than when I was laying in the bottom of one of their old Cypress John boats with my ear against the bottom. And I can remember in the spring, you'd hear the gr the drum singing, and you'd hear all that water sound under the boat. And I still remember that, and I still love that. I like, uh, I like to fish at night more than most people do nowadays. I'm really shocked at how few people fish at night anymore. I still have my best fishing trips at night. I still love, to me that, you know, used to everybody thought you had to fish at night. You certainly don't. We know that now. But uh, there's something about being out at night to me that makes it extra, extra special. So what I like to do, build a campfire on the riverbank on a starry night and uh, sit there with a good buddy and chew the fat while you're waiting on a bite. And it just don't get no better than that for me. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, some of the best times that we have are fishing at night, and and my wife and I'll go out and, and we'll fish on the, a lot of mostly uh, up until this year on the Mississippi, and we'd go sit out there, and and it'd be so hot we wouldn't even leave the house until eight, nine, ten o'clock at night, and then come in early in the morning. Those are yeah. some of the best best times there are. Really good. Janet Fox said that her husband Bink. Uh, loved your first book. Evidently, he still got it and reads it all the time, like Doc did. You know, I know uh, Janet and Bink too. We we correspond a little bit on on Facebook. There's not anybody any finer than those two, and and uh, they're they're great friends of mine. And uh, you know, it just doesn't get any better than that. I the 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 messages, and I don't know if you have the the. Um, uh, chat up on on your computer or not? No, I don't. I don't. I, I can't relay all the messages and stuff to them. We're trying to get to the questions, but man, everybody's just you know everybody has read your books and stuff, and it's just going wild here. Well, it's it's interesting. Uh, all the names I recognize that are that are talking to you there, which again shows we're kind of this uh, very close knit community of, of folks. Uh, because you hadn't mentioned but maybe one or two names so far I didn't recognize. <laughs> I haven't met a lot of these people, but the nice thing is nowadays we can uh, talk on Facebook and share pictures and stuff like that. Well, and that's very true. You know, um, I had a good friend of mine that passed away a year or so ago. His name was Ronald Workman, and um, when Chad Wall had the first... Um, uh, Iron Man tournament. We drove out there and fished that, and I had not met Ron and his son Chris, and we was great friends on Facebook. You know, we <laughs> went, went at each other about the Cubs and the Cardinals and different things. You know, but you know, I waited up till two or three o'clock in the morning to meet those guys when they pulled in. You know, and and that's the kind of right. relationships that catfish brings people together with. Yeah, it does, and I love Facebook. Uh, I encourage anybody who who's listening that hasn't done it already. A friend me on Facebook. I love uh, uh, talking to folks that enjoy catfishing, and I think I've got. got it, it just boggles my mind sometimes. I think I've got about 2,000 friends, and probably half of those are people who are catfishing. Mm -hmm. And uh, I love doing that because every day I can see, you know, what people are doing, what they're catching, where, and. Uh, a lot of times, uh, the talk on Facebook leads me to somebody that I want to get to know and and learn more about what they're doing and where they're fishing and so forth. So I love Facebook. It's a great great way for us to stay in touch. I, I agree with you 100%. What do you think? Uh, would Would you consider going out with a guide like Mike or Brad or J Justin, Jason? Uh, being one of the fastest way for a beginner to learn the sport nowadays compared to what it was back in the old days you went with 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 a mentor or something they taught you what they knew about catfishing but yeah. if you was going to start out today do you think a guide like those would, would probably be one of the fastest ways for for newcomers to learn the sport? yeah you know uh, I do a lot of seminars through the year and all and I'm amazed at how many people <coughs> not not kids we're talking about people in their 20s, 30s, even. I've met a lot of people in their 50s and 60s who are just now wanting to learn to catfish. And going out with a good guide is money well, well spent. 
these guys are going to try their best to to help you uh, catch fish, and I don't know any of them. I've been in the boat with, gosh, probably a hundred guides over the years. I don't think I've ever met maybe one or two that weren't eager to teach. They're they're usually very good teachers. They usually enjoy teaching, and uh, if you go with one of those guys and tell them. This is why I want to be with you because I want to learn. I'm new to the sport. Teach me some of the basics. Show me how to cut bait. Show me how to catch bait. Show me how to make a rig. Show me what types of gear you use. Let me look in your tackle box. All those things they're eager to share. And I don't think there could be a much better way than spending some money going out for a day or two with a guide and and when you can uh, save your nickels and dimes up like I used to do and uh, go go with a guide here and then go with a guide over there uh, go to different types of water uh, at least the ones that you might fish go to with a guide on a river go with a guide on a lake and uh, uh, you can learn enough from them, then you can go back and fish anywhere. You can fish on those farm ponds around home, or you can fish on uh, smaller rivers. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Uh, it, it's a great way to learn the sport, and uh, I just know so many of those guys that enjoy teaching. But a lot of them do seminars too. That's another way. Watch near you. Uh, we have a brand new Bass Pro Shop here three miles from my house. I'm kind of out in the country, but it's kind of new, and uh, I hope sometime I'll be able to do some catfish seminars over there. I do a lot of seminars for our State Game and Fish Commission, and they're free, and uh, we usually spend a couple of hours, sometimes three or four if we get to talking, and, and it's all about teaching. And I've, I've learned that I used to teach at too high of a level. I took a lot for granted about what people know. And I figured out most of the people come and want the very basics. One guy asked me one night, what do you do with the catfish when you catch it? Uh, and I didn't really know what he meant. He said, if I want to keep it to eat, what do I do with it? And, and I said, I'm still not sure I know what you're asking. He said, do you hit it in the head? Do you stab it? What do, what do you do? And he didn't know. He said he waited till everybody had left to ask that question because he was embarrassed. And that woke me up and made me realize a lot of these people never had the opportunities, probably you and I did, to learn. And they're learning everything. And so that changed the way I do my seminars. I do basic seminars for people who want to learn the basics. And I do advanced seminars for guys that, that are out there all the time. And uh, so seminars are a good way to, to to learn stuff. Most of the time they're free. You can go go check them out for free. Well, speaking of seminars, um, I'm sure that you're aware of the uh, 2016 Catfish Conference that we have yeah. coming up. Uh, would you happen by chance to be going to attend that? I would like to. Uh, unfortunately, my work schedule is not going to permit it. Okay. Uh, there's nothing I would enjoy more than coming up there. One of the, the really life-changing things that I did was going to uh, the big catfish symposium that was done back in 2000 over in Iowa. Uh, again, another place where so many great catfishmen, not just fishermen, but biologists too, all got together in one location. I know this deal y'all got going on is going to be absolutely phenomenal. And if things change, I'll be there right now. I've already I've been seeing so much about it. I checked my calendar, and right now, uh, the company I work for has got a big conference in. I'm the I'm the company photographer. I got to be at all those things, so it doesn't <laughs> look like I can make it. But sometimes things change, so you never know. I would right. love to be there. Well, it's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait. I just I read uh, we're. Uh, David Hart's going to be doing a seminar on, oh. on live wells, which is going to be, which has been a real hot topic on on Facebook here lately, and and I I know that he'll he'll do an outstanding job. Yeah, David's a, a sharp guy. He'll he'll do a great job. Absolutely, you know it's a, uh, you know, 
we've been trying to get Doc Lang on the show, and I know we're going to get make that happen here one of these days. And and uh, he has a website, and we was talking about this the other day, and a guy told me he said, you know, that's the holy grail of catfishing is when you go to Doc Lang's website because if you want to know anything, if you'll just look, he's probably got it on there. And right. it's kind of true, you know, when when a lot of us. Uh, got adapted to computers. Some of us older guys didn't do computers until later on in life. But you know, when when most of these guys got up there, when they wanted to, to have a question and, and wanted information, that's where they went. Doc uh, Doc's website was on there, and and uh, you, you could find out about live wells. You could find out about equipment, right. and boats, and different things. And and now the information is a lot more readily available than it was in those days and and the fact that people in this sport will share information where any other ones uh, maybe not you know yeah you're right and uh, my you know I've noticed it, there's been a big downturn in how many people buy books I've got five books and been selling them I guess the gentleman said earlier I wrote the first one 17 years ago he said it doesn't seem that long but uh, uh, not as many people buy books and read them, but uh, there is so much information on the internet. I think you do have to take some of it with a grain of salt. There's good information, there's bad information, mm -hmm. but you'll quickly learn that hardcore catfishing folks migrate to certain places, and those are the places to go. They they go to those places because they're good, and. Uh, I do want to tell people, if you'll allow, uh, allow me just a, a little Absolutely. plug here, uh, tell people uh, my website, my friends call me Catfish, my website is catfishsutton.com, S-U-T-T-O-N, catfishsutton.com, and uh, it's just a place for me to sell my books, and uh, so anybody who might want to buy a book, they can go on uh, my website and order them there. They're also available on Amazon. They're, if you're a Kindle person, they're available for your Kindle. Uh, so it's not hard to find them. Or you can just Google my name, and it'll pop up places you can see them. But uh, I always like people to go to my website because uh, those people that come there, I stay in touch with. And uh, I've made a lot of friends that way, just people who've enjoyed the books. And uh, I hope I'll see uh, some of y'all's uh, viewers. Over there too. Oh, I'm quite, I'm quite sure that you will. And uh, you know, we're running about to where we need to be. And Keith, I cannot thank you enough for spending your time with Chuck and I tonight. Um, it, it is so nice to be able to get someone like you on the show with us to share your knowledge and and your experiences. Uh, these are things that, that we may never have known about you and, and your uncle and your grandmother taking you fishing. <laughs> and they make such great stories. And, and what better way to, to share that uh, than, than telling people about it? It's just really nice and, and I appreciate it so much. Well, I appreciate you, Lyle, for getting in touch with me. And uh, I'm glad I had this time to spend with you and your viewers. Uh, Thank you to everybody out there who took time to ask questions and make comments. I enjoyed it immensely, and I hope maybe uh, we'll run into each other face-to-face -face down the pike somewhere, somewhere uh -huh. upstream or down. I'm and, sure we will. Uh, uh, and maybe someday we can do this again. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you oh, so absolutely. much. I got to hear Thank about you, Chuck, I hear about that Wheeler trip, man. So we got to <laughs> back on. So yeah, yeah. Well. Uh, Everybody out there, y'all keep your fingers crossed for me. I am really hoping this is going to be a, a great trip. I know it will be. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, keep uh, we'll that, have a good time. Keep that Facebook posted while you're <laughs> Well, That's right. In between fish, posting fish, and Mike won't let them, uh, you know, the background get in them. So they don't want nobody Mike, know that. Uh, I met Mike, and the day they caught that fish, he sent me a picture off his phone. He said, how big do you think this one is? And I nailed it pretty close. I said, my God, Mike, I can't believe it. That is awesome. So uh, I got uh, got my brain wrapped around. There's another one that size out there with my name on it, but we'll see. Oh, or for absolutely. my son, that would be even better. If my son caught one, 
uh, that would tickle me more than me ever catching one. So we'll have well, a great time with Mike. I know you guys will have a blast. Chuck, do you have any closing statements tonight? Uh, no, I'm I'm good for this week. I'm gonna have plenty next week, but uh, I want to make sure I got my ducks in a row before I give them out. But well, uh, there's I just, nothing. I just enjoyed this time we've had with Keith tonight. Oh, and I'm yeah. looking so forward to it. Thank and, you all for uh, coming into my office. Well, <laughs> Not many people get to see the the cat cave here. Well, I I don't know about Cat Cave, but you you got everybody's attention with that bluegill. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I'm not telling where I caught it. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, Keith. Thanks again. All right, uh, guys. Thank y'all. For All Chuck right. Davidson and Keith Sutton, I'm Lyle Stokes, and thanks for watching Catfish Weekly. Uh, be sure to tune in next week. Uh, Zach Royce will be on Catfish Weekly. Uh, we're going to talk about his two records that he set with us, so uh, be sure to tune in next Monday night at 7 Central Time. See you then.